That great. So we were singing. Uh, Peter's going to be having a few more people joining the choir. Be really good. National, I mean, the Wanganui Mo Choir, always looking for new people. We're going to continue in our studies in the book of Luke this morning. And so I'd ask you to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 11, verses 33 to 36. Luke chapter 11, verse 33 to 36. And then you're going to multitask. I want you to also turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. So Luke 11 verse 33 to 36. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light, as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. Then I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And this is the framework that Jesus would have been preaching inside, because the people he was speaking to They would have known this passage, and as soon as Jesus mentioned lamp and light, this is the passage that would come into their heads. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 to 10. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 to 10. It was the commissioning of the prophet Isaiah by the Lord. Isaiah speaking, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he, that's God, said, Go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. I don't know what condition your eyes are in, but many people suffer from bad eyesight for various reasons. Some have got glaucomas, some have got cataracts, some have got tunnel vision, others have got what they call floaters, others suffer from rainbow vision. Does that look familiar? Anyone? (laughs) What does your spiritual eyesight look like? Something like that? This is one who's identifying. You see, it's in effect what Jesus is saying to people through this passage today. Because at first glance when you come, Jesus had 
been speaking to the crowds and here the crowds ask for, give us more signs. And the Pharisees have come back at Jesus and said, you're just working for Satan. And they wanted signs too. And then right in the middle of this, we find this passage about a lamp. And at first glance, you kind of think, why? Why is Jesus including this? Because straight after this, if you look at your Bible, Jesus really climbs into the Pharisees. It's a build-up, you see, to the crucifixion. And he brings down woes on the Pharisees. So, the question that comes to mind is, why is this little passage here, right in the middle? Jesus didn't just put it there by accident. Luke didn't just record it there by accident either. So, what is the function of this passage? We've got to look at the context, you see. In the other passages in the New Testament, and there are quite a few, where Jesus used this very image of the lamp, he was speaking about various issues. Luke chapter 8, verse 16, which we've already looked at before, he was speaking about, take care how you hear the gospel message. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 15, the message there from the lamp was, be witnesses into the dark world. Mark chapter 4, verse 21, it was the influence of light on you. All will be revealed by this light. And in this passage we're looking at this morning, Luke chapter 11, verse 33, the purpose of this passage is this. Jesus is saying, in summary, permit the light to shine into your own hearts. Don't obstruct it. Now, it's starting to make a little bit of sense why he would be speaking about it right here. You see, up to now, the Pharisees had been slandering Jesus by saying that he was an, an, an agent of Beelzebul. And they had demanded further signs from Jesus. And that when Jesus was not giving in to their demands, they were in effect saying, Jesus, it's your fault that we do not believe in you. You are not giving us the signs we need. And so what Jesus wants to do with this specific little passage about the lamp and the eye is he wants to show them that actually the shoe is on the other foot. And that it is they who are to blame. The light is shining, but they are obstructing it. The Father has sent his Son into the world as the Messiah to be the light of the world, but these Pharisees, the leaders of the nation, were turning their backs on the light. And so Jesus speaks in these metaphors. And he uses two word pictures, metaphors. The one is the lamp, and the other one is the eye. And when you look at these two word pictures, there's a superficial meaning we get out of it. But Jesus is also teaching the Pharisees and warning the people. And we need to pick up what he's saying. What is he teaching and what is he warning about? So let's look at these two pictures. And the first one is the lamp. The lamp. Now, if there were Irish jokes around then, Jesus would have been telling an Irish joke because, in a way, it's told in the same way. He's saying, who would light a lamp and then go covering it or hiding it? Who would do that? It's a bit Irish. Excuse us for the Irish here. You see, I've got a little weak little lamp here. It's only a few volts, but it'll work. Here's a lamp, right? I didn't want fire hazard. Who would light a lamp and then cover it. Who would do it? Doesn't make sense. He's nearly saying it's a stupid thing to do. 
who would light this lamp, and it would have been an oil lamp or a candle, and who would go then putting it in a hidden place? And the word literally is here a cellar, a hole that you've dug, or a crypt, a place where dead bodies are kept because they don't need light, right? So who would go and light a lamp and then put it in a hole in the ground or in a crypt? Who would do that? doesn't make sense. Or who would light a lamp and then put a cover on it, like this? A bushel is the word that's used there. And a bushel was a little woven cover like this, a woven thing like this. Let me just save battery. It was a little woven measuring container like this, and they used to scoop it into grain to level and then overflowing if they were generous, alright? And that is what you would buy, so many bushels of grain. Okay? It was one of these, similar anyway. Or it was a leather measuring bucket. They would scoop that in and you would buy it by the buckets or by the bushel. So Jesus is saying, who would light a lamp and then put a bushel over it? Doesn't make sense. No, you would light a lamp, says Jesus in that first metaphor, and then you would put it on a lampstand so that all can see. You would light your lamp, put it on a high place when it works, and... Everyone can then see by its rays, right? That's the logical use of a lamp. Why? Because you want light to function as it should. And what is the function of light? The function of light is to dispel darkness so that the ones entering the home may see clearly so that they don't stumble over all the things you should have put away and you didn't. You see, these little Jewish homes didn't have many windows. They didn't have double glazing, big picture windows like we have today. They had small little openings, which were the windows. And so it was fairly dark inside the homes. And so you would light a lamp, an oil lamp, stick it up high so that the, the rays of light would illuminate the house so that people didn't stumble over things that were lying around. So that's the function of light. It is to dispel darkness. Now, why does Jesus use this metaphor? You see, the Pharisees had the light. They knew the truth. They understood perfectly what Jesus was saying. But they were hiding the light. And they were distorting the light when they did understand it. How were they doing this? By not putting the lamp on a lampstand. In other words by not publicly recognizing as the leaders of the nation that this was Jesus the Messiah. In other words, they were, they were pushing him down. They were saying he isn't the Messiah. He's speaking an untruth. He works for Satan. They were not putting the lamp on the lampstand for the nation. And also, they were continually trying to put the measuring basket or the buckets of their religious rules over Jesus and his teachings. Do you see why Jesus uses this picture. And by doing this, they were causing the whole nation of Israel to stumble in darkness. In what way? Well, the other way they were doing this was they were putting the measuring bucket of the own hundreds of religious rules on the people as well. And the Torah didn't even demand that they did a lot of these things. For instance, the Pharisees would tithe this is only an example and Jesus, he puts a woe on them for this in the, in the, in the passage next. But the Pharisees would even take 
the smallest of spices, of mint, of dill, and of cumin, and they would tie that. But, says Jesus, they would neglect the bigger matters of the law, of justice, of mercy, of God's mercy to people, and of faithfulness. Those things they would neglect. But the smallest of things, they were tied. In other words, to put it in the colloquial today, they were missing the wood for the trees. And as Jesus says it a bit more biblically later, these Pharisees would strain out a gnat, Matthew 23-24, the smallest little insect they knew, they would strain that out of their soup, but they would swallow a whole camel and not notice. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He's using extremes to make a picture. I can see those Pharisees with a camel stuck in the throat. And so Jesus calls them, you hypocrites. You are the leaders of the nation, but you are covering up the truth. You are not putting the lamp on the lampstand as you should as leaders of this nation. You are hypocrites. And so in the next passage, he pronounces the woes on them. And we'll get to that. And so these Pharisees, by suppressing the truth, were causing the whole nation in their care to stumble in darkness instead of seeing clearly in the light. Do you see now why Jesus uses this passage? It's not just the Pharisees Jesus is speaking here to. He was speaking to the crowds too, you see, because he was speaking this out publicly. The crowds too had the light. They'd heard Jesus' message. They'd heard the truth of it. They'd seen him healing people, they knew that God was at work, and what were they doing? They were not believing. And Jesus speaks to them too. You too are hiding this light. You too are not recognizing me as the Messiah, recognizing the message of the kingdom, and you're not putting that lamp on a lampstand. You are also suppressing it with your unbelief. You're not believing. You're choosing to believe that I am not the Messiah. You are choosing not to believe my words, says Jesus. You are suppressing the truth. And therefore, you are also continuing to stumble around in darkness. You get it? What about you? Because it's not just in isolation. This text is here for you and I too. Because Luke included it here for us. So what about you and I? How many times have you heard the gospel message in your life? And if you're sitting here today, you might not be a believer yet. But you've heard the gospel message over and over and over again. And you still don't believe. You see, the Lord is saying to you, you are suppressing the truth as well. And you and I as believers, how many times has the gospel message reached out to us with the the principles of what Jesus requires of us to live holy lives? And how many times have you and I suppressed the gospel with our unbelief? You see, it applies to us as much as to these people. How much do you glorify God through your obedience daily? You see, if you don't, your disobedience will not be shining out the light the way it should be. And people will not be seeing the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ the way they should be through your your life and through mine. Because we've got this bushel of disobedience on us. And in your life it might be disobedience, it might be scepticism about what you've heard, it might just be apathy, you couldn't care less anymore. Maybe it's fear of people, same thing. 
young people, maybe it's inattention. You hear the gospel coming in, but you're sitting there fluffing around on your cell phone, speaking to each other. Are you listening to the gospel message? How many more times do you need to hear? Do you get the message of the lamp? Well, Jesus, if that wasn't enough, uses a second picture. You see, he always pushes home the truth. And the second picture you'll find in verse 34, he speaks about the eye. This is what he says. The lamp of the body is the eye. Now look at those words. The lamp of the body is the eye. How does that work? Well, let's see. You see, Jesus now uses a common rabbinic technique. It's called reversal. The one he was speaking about the lamp shining out light, right? But this one, he speaks about the eye taking in light and thereby being a lamp for the whole body. Do you get the reversal happening here? So instead of light going out, it's the eye taking in light and becoming a lamp in itself to the body. And so Jesus says, do you have a healthy eye? What does a healthy eye look like? Well, he describes it here, verse 34. When your eye is good, and the word used here, there's three sections to that word good. The word is sound. When it is sound, in other words, it's healthy. It's in good health. It is also single. Now, it doesn't mean you're a cyclops. You've only got one eye, right? It means that you are focused. Is that eye you've got focused? Is it single? And also, it's not just healthy. It's not just focused. But also, is it giving a true image of the light shining into you? And the word used is clear. Is it clear? You see, because if your eye is healthy, if it's working well, and I'm speaking about your spiritual eye, and I'm not speaking about a religious myth now, promoted by other religions, by the way. If your spiritual eye is working properly, if it is healthy, if it is focused on this light, and if it is giving a true image of the light coming into you, then, says Jesus, the result will be you'll have a body filled with light. Your whole body, and he's speaking about your person, by the way, your whole person will be flooded with light. And so you will know what to do because your eye has become a lamp to the body. Do you see what he's saying? And so your foot will know where to walk, where not to stumble. Your hand will know what not to touch or what to touch because it can see through the eye. The opposite of that, he describes, he says, but when your eye is bad, and the word used here is sick, when you've got a sick eye, and remember those first pictures I showed, then your body also is full of darkness. Now this is a serious thing Jesus is describing here. He's saying, when your eye is not working as it should, when it is sick, the whole body is full of darkness. In other words, your whole person will stumble around as a result and injury might occur spiritually to you. It's a bit when you uh, stumble around, I've got a woodshed at home and when I sometimes have to go put the dogs away, I don't always have a torch on me because I'm not a good boy scout. And so you kind of think, I know where things are, and you go in there and it's pitch dark and you fall, basically. You stumble around in darkness, right? Now that's the sick eye. 
Now, are you spiritually like that? I'll describe to you what that looks like. You see, the problem is not a sick eye as such. The result is a problem in reception of light. And a problem with the reaction to the light. The problem isn't the amount of light coming in. We've all been revealed to the truth of the gospel. These Pharisees, the crowds of people, had all been revealed to the same message. But the problem was in what they were doing with it. How they were receiving the light and how they were reacting to that light. You see, the Pharisees were receiving that light, but they were distorting it by their religion. And they were not listening to it because their hearts were hardened. You see, what is Jesus driving at here? He's driving at individual responsibility. What do you and I do with the light which has come upon us? As a believer, when this light shines in on us, and the Holy Spirit does His work, we call it sanctification, when you've been sanctified by the Holy Spirit, then your whole person is illumined. It's lit up, right? And so, you now possess a true knowledge of God, because it's been given to you, it's been sh- It's been shone into your life. And you now experience the peace which God shines into your life. And you can now express joy about your salvation. But when you're not a believer, then your heart is still untouched by that light which has been shining onto your life. And so you can't react in the same way. The light is just not there in you. And sometimes as Christians... That light comes in, but we are obstructing it by our deliberate disobedience. And so we will only experience spiritual deterioration. What do you do with the light which shines in on your life? Is your eye healthy or sick, says Jesus. You see, these Pharisees were the bad eyes of the nation. And they were letting in, listen to this, The Pharisees were letting in not light. They were letting in more darkness. Do you get the difference? Instead of letting in light, they were letting in more darkness. Jesus refers to that in the last part of that verse. Therefore take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. Wow. Jesus has a personal application in that verse. We've just looked at verse 35. He says, watch out, take heed that this light which is coming to you is not darkness. Be careful that the light in you is not darkness. Do you hear what he's saying there? He's saying to you, is the only light that is in you darkness? Has the light even penetrated? Is the light that you think there only darkness? You see, it's a binding warning on us as, as hearers of this message. Because our consciences will speak this to us. And the question is this. Has the light of the gospel brought about a genuine, a deep and an inner change in your hearts and your life? And do you see the evidence of that change, of that light in you? Do you see it in your PLI? Do you see that in Scripture? Your personal light indicator. No? It's only me that's got one. 
You see, Galatians 5.22 speaks about the PLI, the personal life indicator. These are some of the signs that you will see if the light is shining in on you. What is that? You'll see what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Just take that checklist. If you go with that checklist and ask yourself, do I see love in my life? Well, not quite this morning. I haven't had my cup of coffee. Do I see joy in my life? Well, after 10. Peace? Only when my bank balance is in the blue. You see what your personal light eating cat is doing? It's not working too well. It's kind of flickering in the red and not so much in the white. Okay? We need to be checking our lives to see if the light is shining into us as it should. Because if you don't, you see, what you may consider light is only darkness. That's what Jesus is saying. In other words, you might think that coming to church every single Sunday, that's going to push up my PLI. No, it won't. It's going to push it into the red. Religious habits, good deeds for their own sake. Knowledge of Scripture, but not allowing Scripture to know you. Do you get the difference? Do you know Scripture? Yes, but do you allow Scripture to know you? If you don't, your PLI indicator will show it. You won't see love, joy, peace, patience, etc. Or, if you don't know the Lord, is darkness your only light? And that is a horrific picture. Is darkness your only light? And then Jesus gives us Thank the Lord. He gives us a picture of what a bright light looks like. Verse 36, this is what he says. And then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark. That's a double emphasis there. Do you see it? Your whole body is full of light. No part of it is dark. The whole body will be full of light, as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. So what's Jesus saying here? It's not just a summary of what he said before. It's not just another description or repetition of what he said. He's actually pointing to a progression here. He's pointing to a completeness which should be seen in our lives when the light is shining and doing its work as it should. And this is what he says. Take note of the completion here. If your, what does he say? Your whole body is filled. You see the picture? The whole body is filled. And then if you didn't understand that properly, he says, with no dark part in it at all. Not a single bit. It's completely illuminated or illumined. Then it will be entirely illumined. Now look at it. As when the lamp illumines you with its rays. What he's saying here is, is the light inside you the same as the light which is outside you? Is the, is the intensity the same? In other words, has your eye been doing its job properly? Has it been giving a true reflection of that light? The same intensity, the same picture. Inside and outside. What's he speaking about here? Well, what's the goal of our salvation? Yes, anyone? What's the goal of our salvation? To be like who? Like Jesus Christ. And he was complete. He said, I am the light. Now, does that mean we're going to become the light? No. But we are going to reflect the light, 100%. And when is that going to happen? The moment we are made perfect in Christ. 
And is it going to happen in this lifetime? No. Sorry. Only when we die or if Jesus Christ comes again. At that very moment, we will be made to be like Jesus Christ in full intensity. Praise the Lord for that passage. I look forward to that day because I know my everyday walk before the Lord isn't like. But praise the Lord, He's going to do that in us. Well, those are the metaphors. Not too hard to understand, right? What's harder is the application. And so I want to leave you four questions this morning. And the first one is this one. How dark is your darkness? Why do I say that? Well, Scripture tells us that we're all born into sin. So the moment we're born, we are little sinners. And you might look cute, but you are a little sinner before the Lord. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, says Romans, right? And so our default position without Jesus Christ is we are lost. And to add to that, Satan also tries to keep us blind to the truth. And it says that he closes the eyes of people. He shuts out the truth so that they don't see the light of the gospel. So we're doubly in trouble without the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, He doesn't want us to see the glory of Christ, the shining light of Christ. We are dark from outside and inside, you see. It's a dim picture. How dark is your darkness this morning? You see, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ yet, here's the appeal of the Gospel to you once again. And I appeal to you, don't put the basket of unbelief over it. What is he saying? He's saying to you, Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Experience the light that will bring change, that will allow light to come into your darkness. Will you still, after today, continue in your own darkness? Because that's the only light you have. It is darkness. And there are two kinds of darkness. There's ignorance and there's stubborn unbelief. If you still will not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's only because you still do not completely understand all that you understand, but you won't believe. And that second one is the most dangerous. But here's the good news to you. Both of those types of unbelief, both of those types of darkness can be overcome by the light of Jesus Christ and His Word. Why? Because Scripture says, John chapter 8, verse 12, this is what Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And what does it say after that? Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Will you have the light of life this morning, if you don't know the Lord? Or will you once again turn away and cover with unbelief? The second question I want to ask is this. What is filling you this morning? What is filling you? In other words, what is coming into you? You see, we live in a culture in New Zealand that denies any distinctive between light and dark, between right and wrong. You just have to listen to the news or watch the politicians and you'll see what comes out. They'll say to you and I, it doesn't matter, it's all relative. You believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, we'll all be a happy family. No, we won't. You see, we are all controlled by either light or darkness. That's what the Bible says. 
And the question is, can you differentiate between the one and the other? Or are you so hardened against the Lord that you can't tell the difference anymore? What is filling you? Light or darkness? The third question I'd like to ask you is this one. And if you're a believer here today, I want you to open your ears to this. What are you looking at? Now, it's different to the previous question. What are you looking at? In other words, what are you allowing in to your life? If I can use reversal too. You see, your eye is the gate and you are the gatekeeper. Now, this wasn't Jesus' picture. Your eye is the gate. The light is coming in. You are the gatekeeper. In other words, you have a personal responsibility as to what you allow in and how much light you allow in. And if you're a parent here, you have the responsibility for your children. What are you allowing in to them? Through your home, through the television set, through the internet? Or are you letting in the light, the word, deliberately into your life? How much of that are you allowing in? You are the gatekeeper of that light. Are you deliberately filling yourself with light? Or are you allowing yourself to be filled with darkness? And the last question is this one. And I'm speaking spiritually. Do you need cataract surgery? What do I mean by that? Well, you see, sometimes as believers, we only let a glimmer of light in. I only spend two minutes in the Word in the mornings, and that's all light that ever comes into my life in a day. I've got a spiritual cataract. You see, not much light's coming in. Or maybe there's unconfessed sin, and I'm kind of holding it on to myself. Well, guess what? The light's going to come in, and it's going to find dark places. And so there's not going to be a full illumined body there because there's unconfessed sin. You've got spiritual cataract on. You've got blurred vision. Or maybe you've got a rebellious heart. And so there's this screen and filter of rebellion. And any light that comes in is filtered through rebellion in you. And so it's not reflecting as it should be in your life. And so my question to you is, are you fully illumined outside and inside? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to shine His laser light of God's Word into every single part of you? And are you allowing Him to cut out those dark parts from your life? You see, because the Holy Spirit, He will help you to hate any form of spiritual compromise that, you might, that might be there in you. He will help you to hate and to, to cut away any form of lukewarmness which might be there in you. He will cut away any part of you which is blocking the light. And He will help you to see clearly with 20-20 vision when He does His work. And you will be seen clearly too then. You get the difference? When you see clearly, you are seen clearly by those around you. How does that work? Because the windows on your life shine out certain things. And the world sees. And they see through your reactions. They see through your conversations. They see through your spiritual interactions with them. And your daily interactions with them. They see light coming out of your life. What do they see? A little flickering light? 
or the bright shining light of Jesus Christ. That is the only evidence of life that they can see, is what you do and say. Is it shining clearly? Are you attracting people to the light of Jesus Christ in your life? I want you all to turn in your Bibles with me as we look at this final passage this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 11. I want you to turn there and put your finger on that passage. And if you've got a pen and if you allow yourself to write in your Bible, underline this passage. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 11. I want you to remind yourself through Scripture today and let the Holy Spirit cut into you now, what were you? What were you and what are you now? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 11. This is what it says. For at one time you were darkness. It doesn't say you were in darkness. It says you were darkness. But now you are light. Not in the light. You are light in the Lord. Do you see that? Therefore, walk as children of light. There's the evidence of our everyday lives. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And here's that personal application now. What do you do with the light? And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And how do you do that? You can only discern what is pleasing to the Lord if that light is shining brightly into you. And if you're not distorting what the Word is saying by your unbelief. And so verse 11, and this is the everyday application, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead Expose them. And how do we expose them? By shining light brightly. Because you can't do it. The light will expose the works of darkness. And whose light? The light of Jesus Christ. Not yours. The light of Christ. Wow. There's a bit of application for us from this passage. I pray that you would not use this instrument in your life to suppress what you've heard this morning and to walk out these doors and carry on living life as you have been. We need to walk a walk of belief before the Lord, of obedience before Him, that is seen all around us as the light shines through what we do and say, to the glory of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we cry out to You this morning, help us. Because we are really dim lights before you. And it's not just through our lack lack of understanding sometimes, but it is also through the way we reflect the light of Jesus Christ. Because of unbelief in us. And because of sin in us. Lord, may your Holy Spirit use this passage in us this morning to help us to shine more like Jesus Christ. Because we do want to be like Him. Do your work, we pray, so that others may see the light of Jesus Christ and be saved and come from that darkness which is in them to the marvelous light of you. Do your work, Lord, through us. Use us, we pray. Be glorified.
ready to move.